Good morning. Man, I hope you had a great Father's Day. I certainly had a great Father's Day. My dad came over, my kids, my boys, and my daughter was there. They got me a new grill for Father's Day. Yes, isn't that a beautiful-looking grill? And I cooked out some fat-free ribeye steaks. Fat-free. They were awesome. They were awesome. And I just put just a little garlic salt on my steaks, just a little salt. And, uh, and hopefully, speaking of salt, hopefully you guys have been carrying around one of these little packets this week. How many of you have been trying to carry that around this week? You know, I was really impressed. I went to a Borland board meeting, and one of the uh, members came and brought their salt packet, and they set it on the table. I thought, wow, way to go, way to keep it in front of you. And we passed them out again this week, and we're trying to ask you to, to carry around this salt packet. Why are we carrying around this salt packet? Is it because we're Reformed salt-aholics? We're giving up our garlic salt on our ribeye steaks. The answer is what? No, absolutely not. Uh, we're carrying around this salt packet to remind us that we are supposed to be leaders. That Jesus has called us to be light, to be the salt of the earth. And salt is supposed to influence its surrounding. It's supposed to have an effect upon its surrounding. And Jesus has called you to be salt. Jesus has called you to be a light, for you to be an influence and to influence your surrounding. Because leadership is, what's the word? Influence. Say it with me. Leadership is, it's influence. To live like Jesus means we lead and we influence. You see, salt releases flavor. God wants to use you and your life to release flavor in the lives of the people around you. God wants to use you to bring out the best in others, to make a difference in others. Now, I find some of us, you know, we don't like the idea that we're a leader because I think we don't want to assume responsibility for our lives. When you realize that Jesus has called us as followers of Christ to be a leader, then we are responsible for the way we live and how we serve and what we do. God wants to leverage our lives to do all the good he can through us, to release flavor, the flavor of Christ and others through us, all right? And uh, last week we also talked about how we all have this invisible red bucket inside our hearts right and when this bucket is full we love life and life is good when the bucket is empty life is awful you know it's empty and so how do we fill up the bucket that's the million that's the billion dollar question how do you fill up the bucket in your heart in your life that red invisible bucket that's in all of our lives well you need a what you need a dipper some of you were here last week okay you need a dipper. And when we take our dipper and we serve others, we water other, others with positive words of praise, with words of encouragement, when we think of others, when we give to others, God fills up our bucket. But when we take our dipper and we dip from others, when we self-serve, when we are so focused on our needs and our wants and we're taking and taking and taking and filling and filling and filling, guess what happens? 
We think we're filling ourselves up, but we end up living an empty life. Jesus put it this way. Can we read it together? Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. When we give, we live. Say it with me. When we give, we live. When we give of ourselves, when we give of our lives, when we give of our time, we live. We live out of God's abundance rather than the scarcity of an empty life. This past uh, week, every morning I get up, you've heard the story, and I get my coffee, and, and I'm reading my Bible, and I'm reading through my Bible, and I'm reading this verse in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, and I thought it was so beautiful, just what we were talking about. Verse 24 says, One gives freely and yet grows, what? All the richer. See, when we give, we live. I mean, that's contrary, and that doesn't seem right, but it's, it's, it's the truth. When we give, when we serve, we live. Another withholds. He's a, a, a dipper. You know, he's dipping from other people's life. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers, what's the word? Wants. He lives with an empty bucket. Verse 25. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched. And the one who, what's the word? Waters will himself be watered. You see, that's the miracle of the replenished life that God somehow supernaturally fills up our life with meaning and purpose when we give. So the question this morning is then, what are you doing with your dipper? What are you doing with a ladle in your life? Are you serving? Are you giving? Are you helping? Are you sharing words of praise and words of enthusiasm and words of encouragement? Or are you taking? Are you focusing on your needs and your wants and what you want and your agenda and you're constantly taking from other people's life? What are you doing with your dipper? Now, if I was asking you to raise your hand, and I'm not, but if I was to ask the question, how many of you are more of a taker than a giver? How many of you are selfish and self-centered? How many of you are a self-serving pig? You know? You know? None of us would want to raise our hand, and probably a lot of us would think we shouldn't raise our hand. But I think it's very hard to see and know our hearts. I think often we think we're serving and we're doing good, but we're doing good out of a bad heart, out of our own needs, out of our own wants. God said this in Jeremiah. God said, man, the heart is, what's the word? Hopelessly dark and deceitful, a puzzle that no one can figure out, but God, but I, God, I search the heart, I examine the mind, and I get close and I get to the heart of the human. I get to the root of things. It's my desire this morning that God would search our hearts. He's been searching my heart this week. I hope he'll search your heart and help you to really see what kind of heart you have. Is it a self-serving heart 
or is it a servant heart? I'm going to do my best to try, to try to draw a clear distinction between a self-serving heart, someone who's stealing and dipping in other people's lives, or a servant heart. You see, a self-serving heart is self-focused. Can you say that with me? A self-serving heart is self-focused. Now, we all know, we kind of all enter the world, and that's all right. We kind of enter the world with a self-focused heart. I mean, our theme song as a baby is what? It's all about me, mommy. It, I mean, it's all about me, daddy. It's all about me. And a baby doesn't come home from the hospital thinking, you know, I'm sorry for the inconvenience I just caused in your life. You know, how can I help out around here? I mean, a baby doesn't come back home from the hospital, you know, thinking, you know, man, that, that, that childbirth thing, that was tough. It was tough for both of us, you know. How can I serve? The baby doesn't come up from the hospital thinking, man, you know, I really appreciate you pushing so hard, you know. But uh, So how can I help you? How can I serve you? No, that child comes home thinking, man, I'm going to do everything in my power to make you focus on me day and night because it's all about me and my happiness. And you need to get ready for it. You need to get used to it. It's all about me. Now, that's part of being a baby. But the problem is, if we're honest this morning, some of us are adults. And we're still acting like a self-focused child. We're constantly putting our wants and our needs first. We're constantly putting our agenda and our status and our gratification ahead of our spouses, ahead of the family, ahead of others. We kind of look at the world as a give-and-take proposition, you know. You give, and I'll take. It's all about me and my happiness. You're here to serve me. That's why we got married. That's why we have a relationship, right? You're here to serve me and take care of me. And we seem to punish those people who disagree with us. We seem to use our displeasure to, to get back at people who don't do what we want because it's, it's all about me. And some of us even exploit the weaknesses and fears of others to get what we want. It is a very evil world out there. And sometimes it's very evil in here. A self-serving heart is self-focused. A servant heart is other-focused. Paul put it this way in Philippians 2. Don't do anything only to get ahead. Don't let that be your motivation. Don't let that be your heart. Don't do it because you're proud. Instead, be free of pride. Think of who? Think of others as better than yourselves. None of you should look out just for your own good. You should also look out for the good of others. Paul is saying, listen, stop thinking about yourself all the time and what you want. Start thinking of others. A healthy, mature adult realizes that life is more than just what you can get. Life is about what you can give. A healthy, mature adult lives for a higher calling and a higher purpose than just accumulation of stuff and, and me and my wants and my desires. They leverage what they have for the good of others. Do you remember the story of, of John the Baptist? Beautiful story and John chapter 3. John the Baptist was, what was he? He was kind of like the forerunner. He was to announce that Christ was coming and he preached to repent of your sins or for the remission of your sins because the kingdom of God's at hand. And he was the forerunner for Christ. And John the Baptist, he had his followers. He had his disciples. 
And then Jesus showed up on the scene. Let's, let's read about this fascinating story. John chapter 3, let's, let's pick up reading in verse 26. John's disciples came to him, came to John, John the Baptist, and said, Teacher, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one that John the Baptist baptized, John the Baptist baptized I got that right, there you go. Uh, that, that man on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you said was the Messiah, he was the long, he is the long-awaited Jewish Messiah. Jesus, he's, he's also baptizing people. And get this, everybody's going over there instead of coming here to us. John replied, God in heaven appoints each person's work. He, Jesus, must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. John said, you know what? God's in control here. It's not about me. It's not about my, my turf. It's not about my stuff. It's not about my popularity. I need to decrease. He needs to increase. John had the heart of a servant. His focus was not on himself. And because of that, John was secure and strong within himself. And he lived with an open hands and, and an open heart. He lived with a full bucket. And he gave his life because he was a servant. He was a true servant leader. You see, a self-serving heart reacts to the circumstances of life. Someone with a self-serving heart is always spending their time trying to protect their stuff and their turf and their, their public image and their persona and their position and their possessions. And whenever they sense or feel threatened, they become defensive. Especially when you give a self-serving person some negative feedback, they take it as how? They take it as an attack. And what do they do? They attack back. It's not the fear of failure. It's the fear of losing power. It's the fear of losing control. So they spend as little time as possible considering what is the best interest of others. Their focus is on themselves. And so they're, they're quick to take an offense. Are you quick to take an offense? That's a self-serving person. They're quick to speak. Are you quick to speak? They're quick to judge. They're quick to push blame away and to pull praise closer. You see, a servant heart responds to the circumstances of life. They don't react. They respond. Like John the Baptist, they're quick to put their focus on someone else. I must decrease. He must increase. One of my favorite life verses, I've got a bunch of them, but one of them is John is James 1.19. James 1.19, I read this verse every day of my life, probably 20 years ago. Every day I'd get up and I'd read that verse. James 1.19, my dear brothers and sisters, be quick to what? Listen. Slow to what? Speak. And slow to get? You see, someone with a servant heart realizes that their response is their responsibility they quit blaming others. They quit blaming their circumstances. Their response is their responsibility. They listen and they think before they take action. They're able to kind of step away from the table. They're able to back up and, and, and get a hold of their emotions and their feelings 
get away from the moment, and then to respond wisely as to what's going on around them. You see, someone with a servant heart is attuned to their heart, to their situation. So they're more prone to take negative feedback as a gift rather than as a threat. They see it as truth and try to find that kernel of truth and what part of the problem can I own? Now, which of the following words best describe your usual reaction to negative feedback? I really want you to think through this question. I'm going to show you six pictures in a minute. And the way you negatively react to the circumstances and the situation in your life helps us clearly see our heart. Let's see the first picture. What's that a picture of? Fear. When someone gives you negative feedback, do you kind of, you're frightened by it, you're fearful, you pull back, you hide. Or how about this one? Anger. You know? Who do they think they are, you know? Anger. Or maybe it's denial. It's their fault. It's not my fault. How can they blame me for this problem? Denial. Now, fear, anger, and denial, that's the way a self-serving man and a self-serving woman responds to the circumstances of life. That's the way they respond to negative feedback. But someone with a servant heart responds with, number one, sadness. I, I heard that you, you think that about me. Or maybe it's curiosity. Why would you think that? Why would you say that? Hopefully, maybe it's gratitude. It's realizing that person really has your good at heart. They're really trying to help you. And so you respond with gratitude. Someone with a servant heart responds by being quick to listen, slow to judge, slow to get angry, quick to give other parties the benefit of the doubt, quick to give the praise to someone else. You see, a self-serving heart thinks, I should lead and you should follow. We should do what I want. That's a self-serving heart. Do you know the word leader is only found in the King James Version of the Bible translation? It's only found six times. And the word servant is found more than 900 times. You see, a self-serving leader thinks, I should lead, it's all about me, and you should follow me. They want their way. A servant heart thinks, I should respect the wishes of those who have entrusted me to lead. I should respect you see, God's not looking for leaders, but for servants who will let him lead. Can I say that again? God is not looking for leaders. I kind of get confused on this. You know, we're praying for people to help fill the harvest. You know, God's not looking for leaders, but for servants who will let him lead. When God called Abraham, God had a plan. Abraham was to carry out God's plan according to God's promise. When God came to Mary, God had a plan. 
And Mary was to carry out God's plan according to God's promise. When God came to Paul on the Damascus road, God had a plan. And Paul was to carry out God's plan according to God's promise. And even Jesus, when he lived his life, he was carrying out God's plan. At the age of 12, he told his parents, Did you not know that I had to be about my father's, what's the word? Business. You see, we need to be about our father's business. We need to live our lives with a servant heart so we can accomplish God's business. God wants to work through you. He wants you to be salt and light. He wants you to lead and influence others by letting him work through you. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about him. We need to recognize that. As that old Yiddish saying goes, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Tell him your plans. You see, a self-serving heart leads out of pride. A self-serving heart leads out of pride. And a false pride centers on the promotion of self. A false pride centers on the promotion of self. The Apostle Paul warned, do not think of yourself, what, read it with me, more what? Highly than you ought. Now let me share some examples of leading out of pride. You're in a conversation and you re resist acknowledging that the other person's idea is actually better than yours. And the writer they are, the madder you get. That's a self-serving heart. You start doing all the talking, demanding all the attention. That's a self-serving heart. You judge the, uh, the values of an idea based upon who said it rather than the quality of the thought. That's a self-serving heart. Your image of what people think of you become more important than substance and truth. That's a self-serving heart. Rules don't apply to you. That's a self-serving heart. Your compensation becomes more important to you than the hard work you paid to attain it. That's a self-serving heart. You look in the mirror to find the source. You look in the mirror to find the source of all success. That is a self-serving heart. You see, leading out of pride is like blowing up a balloon. <laughs> With a hole in it. You know, you're so full of yourself. As soon as yourself comes out, it just fills up and it just blows away. It takes constant effort, temporary results, because we're so full of ourselves. Proverbs says this, too much pride will destroy you. The Lord despises pride. Be assured that the proud will be punished. Pride leads to arguments. Those who take advice are wise. You see, it's our pride that keeps us from hearing each other. It's our pride that makes us unteachable. It's our pride that makes us unreachable. 
A servant heart leads out of humility. Leads out of humility. And the key to being fully present in our relationships, think about this, is humility. Can I say that again? The key to being fully present, and if you're a father, you're a mother, uh, you know, you work hard, you come home, and you want to be fully present in the lives of the people around you that are significant and valued, I'm telling you, the key to being fully present in your relationships is your humility. See, when you're so full of yourself and you're thinking of yourself all the time, you can't be fully present, right? Because you're thinking about how big you are and how important you are and how you got this to do and you got that to do and you got this to do and you got that to do. You're so full of yourself, you're thinking of yourself all the time. But when you're humble, when you see yourself as a servant, then you can be fully present in relationships. The key to being fully present is humility. The Apostle Paul said this, don't, don't let selfishness or pride be your guide. Instead be, what's the word? And give honor to others, more honor than to yourself. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. It's honoring others. It's esteeming others. It's, it's valuing others. It's honoring their thoughts and their opinions and their feelings. When humility is present, we can say the words, I am sorry. I was wrong. I was at fault. Please forgive me. And then we can connect with those that we love and value. Humility is an attitude of the heart that understands and acknowledges our limitation. According to Jim Collins in his best-selling book called Good to Great, he says a person with a humble heart looks out the window to find and applaud the true causes of success and in the mirror to find and accept responsibility for failure. In other words, someone with a humble heart, they give away the success and they take responsibility for the failure. Fred Smith in his book called You and Your Network says, people with humility don't deny their power. They just recognize that it passes through them, not from them. See, humility is realizing and emphasizing the importance of others. A self-serving heart is an ego-driven heart. A self-serving heart edges God out. We're so full and so filled with our own self-importance that we dominate conversations. We're highly sensitive to any criticism. We're the first and the last to speak on any subject. We try to keep others at a safe distance. We're constantly kind of comparing ourselves on a material basis to others, drawing comfort from our comparison in an effort to inflate our own self-importance. We become fixated on short-term results at the expense of long-term integrity. We live like everyone depends upon us, and we try to control others and other events, and in the process, we destroy others and ourselves, and we live with a self-serving heart that pushes, that edges God out of our lives. A servant heart exalts God only. As Ken, Ken Blanchard puts it, we need to alter, spelled with an A, alter our ego. We need to put our ego on the altar and exalt God only. We need to see ourselves in light of our creator, in light of God. Solomon, one of the wisest, wealthiest men who ever lived, he said this, Do not be wise in your own eyes. 
What advice? Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear, respect the Lord, and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. See, when we alter our ego, we begin to exalt God, and it changes our perspective. No longer are we trying to edge God out and separate ourselves from God and from others. No longer are we constantly making comparisons and distorting the truth and believing lies about ourselves. We exalt God and we move towards community. We move towards transparent relationships. And we live with a sense of contentment. We live with a full bucket. We live with a sense of peace. We stop distorting the truth. We start seeking the truth. And we began to see ourselves not as an owner, but as a steward. That everything I have and everything I am is a gift from a good God. And I need to leverage who and all that I have for God and for God's kingdom. And we begin to live out of our abundance rather than scarcity. You see, it's not all about me. It's not all about you. It's all about Him. It's letting go of control, letting go of our fears. It's living for a higher purpose, to truly live like Jesus. It's realizing that it's not my practice, it's not my job, it's not my career, it's not my business, it's not my church, it's not my profession. It's all His. I'm simply a servant. And when we see ourselves as a servant, we live with a servant heart. You see, the most persistent barrier to living like Jesus is a heart that is full of self-interest. So every day, I've got to put my self-serving heart on the altar. of. Every day, I've got to put my heart on the altar of the cross of Jesus Christ. And exalt God only. You see, the antidote to the daily temptation of instant gratification, the antidote to the daily temptation of recognition, the antidote to the daily temptation of power, the antidote is the cross. The antidote is the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the antidote. It's learning to die to yourself and to live for Christ, and to truly become a servant leader, to truly become salt that is released into our culture. Can we bow our heads in prayer? And with our heads bowed in prayer, I'd like to spend just a few minutes asking you to reflect on your heart. Can you join me this morning in praying and saying, God, search my heart. Search my heart, God. Examine my heart. Can you join me in praying and say, God, I don't want to be a self-serving man. I don't want to be a self-serving person. I want a servant heart. Can you say, God, help me to be other-focused and not self-focused?
God, help me to respond to life circumstances and, and not react. God, help me to realize that my response is my responsibility. Can you pray and say, God, help me to respect the wishes of others? God, help me to let you lead through me. God, help me to lead and love others out of humility. God, help me to think of myself less. Can you pray that this morning? God, help me to think of myself less. Help me to put my ego on the altar and to exalt you with my life. Can you join me in saying, God, forgive me of my pride. Forgive me for, for edging you out of my life. God, I want you to be first in my life. I want to be your servant, your doulos, as we talked about last week. And I want a heart of a servant. Help me to be more like Jesus. Can you pray that? Help me to be more like Jesus. And maybe this morning for the first time in your own life, you need to open up your heart to the reality and the truth of who Jesus is and what he did. And right now, invite Christ to come into your life and to save you and to change you. Father, we pray this morning that you help us. You help us to live like Jesus. Help us to be the salt of the earth. Help us to bring out the best in those around us, Father. Help us to be light. Help us to take ownership of our responsibility to lead and to release you into our relationships. Help us to serve like Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.